So it's called Beitza in Hebrew. There you go. As you can clearly see from the book cover, Masachas Beitza. The internet ones, the color, the color picture ones. <laughs> Beitza means egg, and that comes from the, the um, essentially the, the, the first word in the, in the Masechta. So it talks about an, an egg that was laid on Yom Tov. So therefore, uh, it took it. Now, there are other names to Masechta. Many people refer to it as Masechta's Beya. Beya is just the Aramaic word for Beitza. The reason why, at least the reason I've been told why, people refer to it as, as uh, a lot of action. Around around. <laughs> okay. Traffic. I don't know. <laughs> just move from all sides here. <laughs> so, yeah, so the reason, the reason it's called Beya is because some people call it Beya, which means Beitza, just in Aramaic, is because, so I've been told, that uh, Beitza also is a, is a word that refers to a testicle, and apparently that's considered to be on some level of, of, of uh, Lush and Nakiyah, speaking extra politely, they avoid using that term. You know, the Ramban says, why is it called Lush Nakodesh? He says, because there are no words in Hebrew for any... This is what makes it Kodesh. Is that Anachamash says that uh, because there's no there are no words in Hebrew for anything that's sort of ansnias or filthy. There's no such words. If you haven't noticed, everything is like a borrowed term. If you haven't noticed that, like remember we're talking about like in in the Gemara Shir and we're talking about the the Amud referring to the actual stool and the Kiluach the stream and you know all, there's no words for like the sex organs don't have words there. They're just called like Aver, which is like limb, for example. Or Oso Makom, that place. There are, no, there are no words for this kind of stuff. So, it's a, it's a, it's a Kaddish language. So, I guess, we see that more than that, the, the Torah goes out of its way to speak extra nicely. Like it talks about, it doesn't say, in one place, where the Jerusha comes from, it doesn't say you shouldn't eat from the, not, the, from the tummy animals, it's from the not Tahork animals. I guess, that's, I guess, a value. I mean, I guess, there's a, there's a Jewish value to speak um, yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. Lush and Sagi know are this euphemistic language. Right, Sony Israel. Sony Israel often refers to the enemies. So that's a, yes, there, I guess there's really two separate things. One, they're related, of course. But one is that we don't, there's like, we don't say non things are all tiftach felasatam. We don't say like, you, we speak euphemistically. We talk about the blind person. It's like, no. Someone who can, you know, Sagi Nohar can see great, etc. That's a euphemistic language. I'm sure it's connected. But this, this like Lush and Nakia, this like, we don't say, there are no swear words in Hebrew. We're like foul language. There's all things foul language in, in, in Hebrew. Every word is Kaddish, so it's funny that there's no. Anyway, this, in case you haven't noticed, like, notwithstanding for the sake of teaching, I, I don't any, I think it's, I think it's irresponsible. This is, I guess, this is just my pedagogic theory. If you haven't noticed, I have no problem speaking about body parts explicitly. It's, it's maybe because I'm just, uh, you know, foul mouth, or maybe because I don't think it's, it's, it's very hard to understand. But if you don't know what's, if you know what's being intended, then of course it's unnecessary to start saying things that are, you know, very way to, to speak in a not nice way. But if it's not clear exactly what the mission is talking about or what the words are translated as, to say that place and you don't know exactly well which place exactly you're talking about is, I think it's. It's foolish, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's it's psue daka. 
dot crushed testicles. So there is no word. Yeah, but beitz are you, you don't. That's a. It's actually what that word refers to. That's a, it's a famous it's a famous word because it's the one word in the Chumash that the Sephardi and Ashkenazi Chumashim uh, have variants. Daka spelt really? with an ayin or olive. <coughs> that's, that's the one difference between the Sephardi. That's the word. But some learn it's different things. It could be like a, a discussion over actually which part of the male anatomy is being crushed there. But in any case, but uh, but but certainly like the word the word Batesim is used to refer to like testicles really I guess and scrotum like that thing that whole like for example it says like a well known halacha people like it's brought down we're learning brachas not too far from now actually it says like, if a person goes to the bathroom you're not supposed to you're not supposed to touch yourself on. Because that could bring it to hear her, but if you need to actually angle so you don't wet your pants, whatever it is, it says you can misayev a beitzim. That's like a lashon that the Mishnah brings. Not a, I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's shulchan but the Mishnah says like you, you lift from your like you lift from your from your free scrotum, I guess. So beitzim, I guess, means I don't know if Chazal differentiated. I'm sure they have a word for it. I just don't know. But in any case, all that aside, speaking of not speaking about <laughs> black parts, <laughs> so that's why it's referred to as Be'ah. Um, the Ga'odim actually, and, and the early Rishonim referred to sometimes not as Be'ats at all, but as as Sechus um, Yomtov. Sechus Yomtov. And that's for good reason, because Be'ats doesn't tell you too much, just means egg. Whereas uh, Yomtov means uh, Yomtov. And the, really the main topic of the Masechta, it's fairly discursive, as we find many Masechtas are, but the theme of the Masechta is primarily the, the laws about doing Malach and Yom Tov. Specifically the laws, there's differences between the laws of Yom Tov and Shabbos because of, I'll get there in just a second, but as you're familiar with, because of what's called Ochel Nefesh, there's certain differences, and therefore basically the Masechta deals primarily, if we can say that, at least in theme, not an actual number of lines, with the malachas that are unique, the, the halachas that do with malachan and Yom Tov as unique as opposed to Shabbos. There's also a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, to talk inside, but also, which is relevant to Yom Tov, of course, also, but not necessarily differentiated from Shabbos. In any case, since that's, that's the theme, so therefore that's the name, Yom Tov, according to the early, like the early, earlier commentators that go on them in earlier Shabbos. Okay, so now in terms of malach itself, the, the Isser Malacha in general, the 39 prohibitions apply on Shabbos like the Dun Yom Tov. That's the general rule. However, there's an exception. The exception is that Pasuk says, it's most in the beginning, it says, Ko Malacha lo ye'aseh bohem, O Malacha you'll not do on them, meaning the Yom Tovs, Achasher ye'acha l'chol nefesh, except that for which you, is eaten for everybody, I don't know, ye'acha l'chol nefesh, that which is eaten by People in general, I don't have a good translation for that. Who levado that alone ye'asalachem that you can do for yourselves. So from that, it's learned out that malachas that are needed for food preparation or human consumption, I should say, yeah, food, human food prep and consumption is mutter on yomtov. Now, it's funny. It's not clear exactly where to draw the line here. In other words. You could probably find creative ways to apply all 39 malachas towards food preparation, but they're not all mutter. They're not all mutter for on Yom Tov. It's clear from the Mishnah, as we'll see in the Gemara's, that there's certain malachas <coughs> which are clearly, clearly usher. Now, so this, different Rishonim try to define differently where you exactly draw the line. In terms of, I spoke functionally, it's what you need for food preparation, but 
for example, no one lets you do kutsira, like do a harvest of your grain, even if you're going to grind it and turn it into bread all on Yom Tov. You're not allowed to do that on Yom Tov. Even though it is a step in the food prep process, no one lets you do that. So the question is, where do you draw the line? So Rashi learns stuff that you could equally do before Yom Tov as on, Shabbos, as on, as on Yom Tov that you have no business doing on Yom Tov itself. In other words, for example, kutsira, harvesting your grain, you could have harvested it the day before and there'd be no difference in terms of your quality of your bread, so you should have done that before Yom Tov. As opposed to, let's say, shechita, shechting an animal, which of course you could also shecht on air of Yom Tov, but the problem is it would be less fresh meat, and certainly that's very significant without refrigeration. Um, so therefore, shechita becomes mutter on Yom Tov, as opposed to Shabbos, because you need it, if you want to have fresh meat on Yom Tov, you'll need to shecht the animal on Yom Tov itself. So that's a Rashi learned that it's, if you could have done it before Yom Tov, you should have, and if you do it on Yom Tov, that which could have been done before Yom Tov, it'll be an Isra Doraisa, according to Rashi. The Rambam learns the same criterion as, as the Rashi, that it's about what you could do before Shabbos, or before Yom Tov, excuse me, or on Yom Tov, but he learns it's only Durban. In other words, he learns anything for food preparation that you could have done before, but didn't do before, like for example, Katsira harvesting, that would be an Isser, but only the Rabbanan. Interesting, that's the Rambam Shita. There's a third approach, that's the Ran and the Rosh, who learns like, they have a difference. They agree it's the Rabbanan, first of all, and they say, Medorais, anything for food prep is Mutter. Medorabanan, it's us to do things. Their definition isn't about what you could do before Yom Tov. It's the way they learn the Sogis is things that are done, let's say, in large quantity are not allowed to be done on, uh, on Yom Tov as opposed to like small quantity. Like, obviously, you know, when does a hill become a mountain? That's that'll be a problem of, of the post to deal with. <coughs> like, how, how big is too big? You know, can you, can, whatever. But that's that's not, I don't address that problem right now. But the point is, their their criterion is if it's you know you don't harvest the whole field to make yourself a loaf of bread on Yom Tov. That's not going to cut it. But but checking a chicken because you need a chicken on Shabbos. That a Yom Tov, I should say, if you want to Shabbos, chicken on Yom Tov is uh, is mutter. Okay, so that's that's the basic approach, and we're showing them what the difference is in terms of like the conceptual defining line. Now, it actually gets a little more complicated, so it's like a gray layer on gray area on top of a gray area, so you have 256 shades of gray, I guess, is that Hillel says, and you'll, you'll see it, that uh, he says this principle of metoch. Metoch means since. He says, metoch, since, shehutra letzorech, since they permitted doing things when you need them, so then hutra namishlod letzorech. They even permitted you to do certain things even when uh, it's not necessary for food preparation. Like, for example, I'm sure you noticed you carry your talus around on Yom Tov even without an Erev. Well, your talus isn't used for food. But since you need to carry things around for food prep, that extends to So we'll have to see exactly, on some level, the Mishnah, we'll have to see um, when, when the metoch applies. How, how far just, you know, once you're, we're allowing shechita for shechti animals, obviously you can't go and shecht, you know, your next neighbor. So, <laughs> so let's see where to draw the line, exactly. Okay, so well, that's that. Um, now, the other major theme of the Masechta, this is big, a big theme, which we can spend some time on right now, is, is Mukta. Okay, now, I think, I can't remember, I think one time we actually did go through Mukta, like sort of cover to cover in one sitting in, in Shabbos. I don't remember. It's worth, if we did, it was a while ago. It's worth doing again. I think the Halachas of Mukta are not... Everything's complicated and everything has lots of details, but in general, it's not that complicated. It really isn't. And for some reason, I don't know why, like Mukta seems like to, it's somehow we have this feeling that's like super fabulously complicated and there's like so many details. It really isn't. So what I would like to do is just sum up essentially Mukta from beginning to end now and in the next whatever it'll be. 
it's not that complicated. And it'll be clear. I'm talking. I'm not talking. The, I'm not interested in machlokas tonight at the minute. I'm talking about just like the halachalamaisa. How to understand machlokas? It's not so complicated, and it's going to show up a lot in the masechta. So I'll speak from a sort of halachalamaisa point of view, and then we'll have to see when there's arguments in the tonight and so later on. Mokta means set aside from the word. Uh, not even clear. I don't even know what the clear word is actually. And that's that, just that. Hooked, so set aside. The backyard. Right, that was a set aside, the backyard in, in Arab Yeah, uh, yeah. <coughs> yeah. Okay, I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay, yeah. anyways, that's what Mukta means. Mukta means set aside. The guiding principle is things that, to, things that weren't Mukhan, that weren't ready before Shabbos or Yom Tov, now become forbidden to be used on Yom Tov. Shabbos. It's a it's a Durabanan, that's for sure. The exact reason the Durabanan is a machlokus Roshonim. Maybe for all for all, all three are really true. But here the machlokus is, just for the sake of interest, either it's that you might come to it's a primarily the issue of hotza, the issue of carrying things. And we just didn't want you we don't want you carrying things that uh, unnecessarily and playing with anything that's not necessary, because you'll come to carry Nushasarab. That's one approach. Without this massive proliferation of Irvin that we have everywhere. It could be a big problem. You're carrying things, you come to carry things, and you can't you know, you'll do hotzah. So some learn the issue is that just dafka hotzah. Safar Shabbos, don't touch it, so you won't come to carry. Um, I think probably the. Um, there's, there's, a, there's another approach, which is the things that basically to keep, you, keep you away from doing malach in general. In other words, if you come to play with your tool set on Shabbos, you'll come to inadvertently, without thinking about it, fix your door and then realize, oh, I maybe I shouldn't have done that. So they want you to steer and clear of things that... In other words, if you have no business using it on Shabbos, just leave it alone so you don't come to break Shabbos. You know, we play with matches and something bad can happen sooner or later. And the third approach, which I think is probably the majority approach, is that it's just... I don't know, just... But it's the rabbinic conjunction to keep the spirit of Shabbos. And that, that's really the most intuitive explanation. They're like Shabbos is Shabbos is Shabbos and it has different all ways. And like if it's not if it doesn't belong to Shabbos or it's whatever, we'll see different categories. But if it wasn't Muchan from before Shabbos, it belongs outside the purview of Shabbos and just leave it alone. Like not for now. And <clears throat> I certainly think that, that that approach is quite that conceptual idea that if it wasn't set aside from before Shabbos, has no business in Shabbos, it's only very consistent with all like the sort of the philosophical ideas, if you can call them those, about Shabbos sort of being like Mainalamaba in a different place and like you walk it's what is set before as you come into, you know, Banish Mashas, that's what's Kavua for, for the whole of Shabbos, much like Kulm and so on. Like, whatever isn't of this world and of the world that you've set aside for yourself from before, this has no business here. Anyway, so... Right, right. But still, but still, yes. But of course, like, many, many learn, by the way, this, I don't want to explore this right now, but many, many, many people's whole, like, Worldview of Judaism is like that—that that somehow there's like this—that the—that the halachas really are just a direct reflection of what spiritualities either that are or that the rabbis want you to get in touch with. Since how Hirsch talks, that's, I think it's you argue that's how like the like um, what's the name Soloveitchik, Yosef Soloveitchik, you know, that's how like, you know that the halacha is. And that's it. For example, many of his drush, his drush is like on the Rambam. He like he, he deconstructs the halacha to see like the spiritual principles behind. He takes the halacha as, as a. In any case, so whatever the reason is, it's obviously the, the most old pervasive, you know, the rabbanim that applies to Shabbos. My kids, and I'm sure your kids too, their little ones certainly don't have any concept of Isser Shabbos. If someone's not allowed on Shabbos, it's called Mukta. 
You know what I'm saying? Like they don't, they don't understand everything in muktzah because it's obviously everything's like don't touch that it's muktzah. So they, they think, oh, also brushing your teeth is muktzah, and also you know writing with a pen is muktzah. Of course, writing with a pen is ksiva, and it's not muktzah, but the pen is muktzah. They don't you know put two two together. Maybe that's indicative of how like effective the gather is that since you can't even since the pen is muktzah, they'll never come to the next step, which is oh, you can't write on shamas and so on. Okay. Maybe, but anyways, that's that's the that's the the concept. Now, um, basically, the deal with muktzah is you're not allowed to move it. That sounds pretty straightforward, right? But that is as opposed to touching it. There's no actual particular isser in touching muktzah. So, if for argument's sake, you wanted to, uh, I don't know, lean against the car, that's no problem at all. You don't see people doing it, but I don't even see any reason why. Okay? Maybe if you're strong enough to actually move it. Right? It's motor. It's perfectly motor. It's perfectly motor. I'm just saying you don't see people doing it, but I'm just saying there's no reason in the world why you can't. Now, remind me a second. So now, at that point. So, touching it is not a problem. Putting things on top of mukta or whatever, taking things from upon mukta is not a problem. Right. Right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm trying to leave that alone, but the point is, if you happen to have, you know, of raw frozen pizza, which is mukta on Shabbos, you can do with it. But to put something on top of it is not a problem. I'm saying, if the problem is moving that frozen pizza, that's when the problem kicks in. Assuming it's inedible, I think it is inedible. Those frozen pizzas are inedible even after they're cooked, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> anyway, so so that's mukta. Now, what the issue then is tilt of, of wiggle, of moving it, of moving it. That's the problem. Now, although you can't move it directly, you can move it. Indirectly, and essentially, you can move all mukta indirectly by one of two ways. You can move it the the either what's called tiltul minatzad or kalaachar yad. Okay, tiltul minatzad means that you're moving the mukta, but you're moving it with a heter thing. In other words, you're, you're I'm not. It's indirect contact essentially. Tiltul minatzad literally that means moving it from the side. It means that I'm I'm just moving the broom and the thing got moved or. That's a, not a great example, actually. A much better example is, you know, you're uh, you're eating birth. Well, I don't get the buses. So it's a little different. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm going to avoid buses altogether today. If I just, but it, that is buses is the example. If it's bus, if it's if it isn't the buses. But anyways, but I, I'll give an example. Like say, for example, you're eating uh, you know chocolate cake on Shabbos evening, and one of your kids from across the room you know flicks the coin and like it lands into your cake. Now. Now, what in the world are you going to do? The cake, it, everything passed the cake around the room, whatever it is, the coin is going to get moved. There's no way around that. That would be mutter because it's called tiltal minatsad. You're moving it indirectly, moving just moving the cake, you're not moving the coin. Now, the main rule of tiltal minatsad, rule number one is this if you can, you're supposed to shake it out. That's called neor, like neor, you're shaking it out. You're supposed to shake it out. That's what you see people shaking the coin out of their pockets, whatever it is. That's what you're supposed to do. But obviously, well, not obviously, but you don't have to do that. You're, that would be tiltal minatzad. You're shaking the jacket. I'm only moving a jacket. And it's, the coin should come out. Now, that's called neir. That's the uh, great way to go. But uh, if you can't do it, like you can't if you shake the chocolate cake <laughs> hard enough to get the coin to whip out of it, you have a chocolate cake on the ceiling. That's not going to work so great. So if you cannot shake it out, neir is not applicable because it will make, the, let's say, the food inedible or damaged or whatever. It's, it's not impracticable. So then you're allowed to move it by moving the cake and the coin comes with it. This is the key rule that, this is the main rule that people miss sometimes. It's only mutter to do tiltul minatsad if what you're moving 
is for the sake of the hetzer, not for the sake of the isser. That's why I said the broom was a bad example. You know, if you just don't want, you know, you go downstairs to the basement to get a, and you see there's a dead rat there. So like you go, that's gross. So you want to sweep it out. So you, you say, oh, well, the, mat, the dead rat is mukta. Mukta machos mios, for starters, it's gross. Okay? At least that. So, so you say, oh, get a broom. That's tiltul I'm not touching the rat directly. No way. That is, that's usher because you're moving the rat. You're moving the rat with the broom, but you're moving for the sake of getting rid of the rat, not for the sake of moving the broom. So that will become usher to do. Now, I'll get back to dead rats in a second. Later on, we'll get to mukta machos mios. But I'm saying that you, that's not tiltul minatsan. That's moving a rat. And probably the normal way to move rats. How else would you move rats with your bare hands? So that's no good. Okay, that's no good. So tiltul minatsad, indirect movement, means you're moving a hetzer thing for the sake of the hetzer thing, not for the isra thing, which example, a, more no, a normal case would be if someone ends up on a tray. You know, I don't know. You, you know, someone put, your kids put down the pen, I don't know what, put down, a, put down left, left, the, left their markers on the table, and now you want to sit at the table for shops. So what are you going to do? Like the markers are sitting there. Okay, so then... Although, that's actually not a great idea. It's a coin. Left some money on the table. Okay? I have a reason why I don't want to talk about pens yet. Left money on the table, so that's a strict kind of mukta. So, if you can, if you can uh, tip the whole table over to get the money out, that'd be there, that'd be good. If you can't, because that's impractical, or break the legs, or who knows what. So then, you can then, um, you can move it indirectly. Uh, indirectly. Shake, shake off the tablecloth, for example. That's exactly right. Now, that's near. The other, so tiltman at sun. Yeah, the other way exactly. The other way of moving mukta is kalaachiyad. Now kalaachiyad means with the like with the back of your hand or backhand. Probably means better means backhandedly. Now the that's a good translation. Backhandedly, like in a backhanded way, indirect and unusual. Here's an important episode. Moving something with the back of your hand is probably usher. It's not called kalachiyad. <laughs> Go figure. Right? I know that sounds strange. Kalachiyad means moving it like with your elbow or blowing it or like you know, with your toes or something like that. In a, in a, in a, in a backhanded way, meaning a non-normal way. That's also mutter. So if you want to get, get rid of that, you know, that, uh, that dead rat, which is mukta, and you need, need to get out of the way because you can't, I don't know, can't open the door when it's there or who knows what. So then you could blow it out the way, for example, if you want to get that close to it, or whatever the story is, if need be. Right? Sorry? You could kick it out. Now, you can, I'll talk in a second more about it, but in a second. But, but, sorry? But you can, bottom line, you can, kick, you, you can take it in your teeth, exactly. You take like, the dead rat in your teeth and move it, that will be mutter. <laughs> Although horrendous. We had people, we had people biting off. Anyways, okay, never mind. So, I'm not getting, going back to that place. So, so, yeah, I'm not recommended. I'm just saying, so, there's... So again, two ways to move mukta, which you can do. You can move mukta um, if you need if you need it out, moved out of its way. So either with um, tiltul manatzad, indirectly moving by moving the heather thing, like the tablecloth, or kalachiyad, uh, meaning with your elbow or your knee or your toes. The back of your hand again is probably not okay. Okay, blowing would be okay. <coughs> so that's moving mukta. So that's okay to do. Now here's the deal. Um, Although kalachiyad essentially, according to many postcards, mutter anytime you want to do it. You don't like the coin there, just whack it away with your kneecap, whatever it is. So then that's fine. But some postcards don't like it. Some postcards say you can't, you can't move kalachiyad mutter for no good reason. Therefore, the proper thing to do in the minute country, notice is to be masmer and not move mutter, even kalachiyad, unless you need to. Unless you need to. Okay? Then if you need to, you rely on those, you rely on those sheets that it's mutter to do kalachiyad. So again, Always said as Mukta wasn't set aside, the principles wasn't set aside before Shabbos. 
if it wasn't, you can't move it, dafka, and even then you could move it in one of two ways, till achriyad, and directly backhandedly with your body parts, or tiltum and with the hetzer thing, and it should be done if you need the hetzer thing as opposed to the isra thing, but if you need the isra things in your way, you can even move it in one of those ways also. Now, what makes something muktzah? There are essentially three primary categories of muktzah, then there's like a few, what's called three secondary, like three minor categories. When I say minor, major, it's been like 95% of the cases are these, and then it's like a few weird cases of dead rats and so on. Okay? The, the main categories of muktzah are muktzah machmas gufo. The thing itself is muktzah. Um, the thing, meaning it has no function on Shabbos. It's, just, it's like, you didn't set aside for use on Shabbos, and now it's just like some tree branch lying there. It's just like a brick, money. Coin that's like a, a, a rock. Oh, it's like a rock. The, the, it's, not like, it's just a rock lying there. So now you've decided that you want to move a sandbag on Shabbos or whatever, but you can't because that's all muktza. That's muktza mafz gufa. It's intrinsically muktza because it wasn't set aside for Shabbos and it has no use. But I guess by definition it means something that's not a clear or a baguette or food. That's one. It's just something else. It's not a clear or a baguette or food. It's just lying there with no function. Therefore, you can't move it on Shabbos. Number two is muktza. Mukta Mahmas Chesron Kis, which literally means Mukta because it's, uh, it's you know, like a monetary loss. I don't know, Kis literally means like a loss out of your pocket, but a monetary loss. Now, it's not necessarily something that's expensive, but it's, the general rule would be this is like a rule of thumb you wouldn't give it to your kids to play with because you don't want to get broken. But sort of conceptually, it means it's something that wasn't set aside before Shabbos because you don't usually move that kind of stuff on Shabbos. I don't know, like an old photo of your grandmother like you know you're not you have it you're not gonna like you don't you don't fiddle with that for no good reason because it, it's irreplaceable it's damageable your passports are a great example right? I think your wallet I've had an ongoing discussion with you I say your wallet is a mukta machus chesrankis maybe just the contact side are but anyways the point is maybe it's a buses the dovras or whatever it is forget the wallet the point is things that you, that, that you wouldn't even brand new White paper, stationery is brought down as, as Mokhsa Machsum and Chesronkis. And the other classic examples are like, you know, like the, the Moel scalpel and stuff like that. Like things that you don't let your kids play with because it's going to get damaged. Forget the danger involved, right? So that's that. Um, things that are either generally not moved or things that you just don't leave lying around because they can get damaged easily. Those are Mokhsa. Because again, because from before Shabbos, you didn't intend to fiddle with it on Shabbos. Now you decided all of a sudden to move your mingvaz, no way. You, you, before Shabbos, you had no intention of fiddling with it. Okay, the third kind is mukta machmas iser. Okay, now this goes in really in two categories. The first is iser proper. The thing is actually in some way connected to iser. What does that mean? For example, someone baked you a cake on, on Shabbos. That cake is mukta machmas iser. I'm not saying clearly shemalachlis, or that's other category, but it's actually the self is it's directly usher in some way. Either there are a few ways that could be. Either a it was like baked on Shabbos, it was made on Shabbos. The thing's usher. You caught someone says, "Oh, I like, caught these great fresh fish." Like those fish are muktzah because they were done. A muktzah uh, was done with them. They also be muktzah because they the, of isser because there's isser like sort of I don't know, inevitably or very likely to be occurred by fiddling with it. Like for example, a wet towel. You can't handle, I mean, it's a really wet towel. You can't handle a wet towel without doing schita. So there's no way. So it's, it's mukta for playing with, touching and moving because, because it's, it's like isser waiting to happen. What are the things that just have no purpose? Like, I don't know, the jacket that came back from the shot in his lab and they said, no, you can't wear this. Well, that thing's a mukta also. Machmas isser because 
even though it's a Kli, but you yourself can't do much with it on Shabbos. You weren't assuming, there's no way you're planning on using it before Shabbos because you found out the Muktzah. So the thing is the Asr. Okay? Or I don't know, Basar, Bachalav, all that kind of stuff. That's all Isr. The stuff, the thing is actually Isr. Then there's another category. I'm taking this two subcategories in Isr. There's Isr itself, like I said before, or Kli Shemalachtal Isr. This means it's a Kli, but its use, its primary use is Malach Shabbos, things you can't do on Shabbos. Now, this category is more make than other categories. That means, that was like the paintbrush that was left on the table. <coughs> I mentioned before. Or, you know, even an, an electric fan. <coughs> electric fan. Okay? So that's a cliche malafla isra. The normal thing you do with electric fan is push it on and off, and that's awesome. Right? <coughs> all electric, electric implements are basically all cliche malafla isra. Right? Except, like, wrist watches. Watches wouldn't be. Those aren't most at all. But uh, but you know if you have like a pens and a hammer, a hammer, yeah, your tools, you know, pliers, that kind of stuff. That's all. You don't use pliers unless you're building something. Building buildings us in shops. So therefore, your pliers become, or your hammer becomes, or your fan becomes, all that kind of stuff becomes muktza because of machmas malachtel muktza. Machmas Isser, yeah, Muchsa Machmas Isser, it's called a Kli, Shemalachal Isser. It's a Kli used for Isser. Now, this is a very Makel category, the most Makel category of Muktzah. You are allowed to move a Kli, Shemalachal Isser, directly, not Kalachiyad, not Total Minutesad, directly, if you need it, either for Tzorach Gufo, the thing itself, or Makomo, the place in which it's sitting. Then you can move it directly. People are afraid to do that, it feels weird, but you could. That was, for example, the classic example everyone knows from Mishnah ISR. You decide you need to crack it or not, and you haven't got a nutcracker, so we'll pull out the hammer from the tool shed. You know, we'll take out your pliers to crack the nut. You don't have to like, do the pliers with your elbows or something like that to get it. You know, it becomes mutter already now because it's like a, a dual purpose device, which is surprising. Similarly, if you want the electric fan, you decided you move to this side of the room from that side of the room, you can actually turn the fan around. Not, not pushing buttons, obviously, but physically relocate the fan because you want it for goof. You want the actual thing. You want the thing facing this way instead of that way. So that will be all okay. The fan that's on. Yeah. Obviously, not a fan that's liable to come unplugged out the wall. Like, not, well, that's, not, that's not, <coughs> not a realistic concern, but you can actually move your fan. Okay? Um, the other thing is a Makomo. You need it for its place. You actually, the, you know, you, someone left the pliers lying around on the table or the chair or whatever it is you want it out so you can actually pick it up and move it that may feel strange but you can actually if you can pick it up out of the tool shed to crack it up with it you can sort of then pick it up from the table and put it back in the tool shed if need be now if you need it it needs to be because you need the place underneath it so in other words you can't just say I hate a messy room I don't want my pliers lying around on my kitchen table I'll put it back in the tool shed because that is neither needing it for Gufo or Makomo. What you want is just a clean house that you can't move Muktzah for. So you couldn't move the pliers for that. But if you need to make room on the table for the, you know, the next course after the nuts have been left, so you have to move it elsewhere, you can move the pliers elsewhere directly. And once you're putting it somewhere, you can put it back in the tool shed. Don't you have to put it on the floor, like you know, an inch away from the table. But this, that's a big important point. You can only move Muktzah, a klishim lachle iser for Makomo if you need the Makom itself per se. You can't not because you just want your kli out of harm's way or you want to, you know, elsewhere because you don't like how it looks in the living room that you can't do. Well, okay, there's a separate issue about if it's really dangerous. If it's, though, know, there's a difference between broken glass that can hurt your kids and you don't want your plate to become broken glass. 
tells the difference. So if you right, if you if you just want it out of the kid's way, so then you really should move it um, tilt when it's on now, then you can move it again, right? If need be. So like you pick up the whole the whole cushion and move the whole you know, you move your, your iPod out the room. Okay, that's a special letter because you know, others because you know you can't move the iPod directly, but you can move the whole. That's a, sp- a special letter for protecting breakables, even though really you're moving f- really you're moving for the sake of a breakable, not the, the cushion. That's a cool one. But the other way around, if you've got a broken smashed glass on the floor or ice pick lying around, then you have to move it. If it can be kalachiyad, so be it. Then you should, or tilt the on. But if not, obviously you, you can't you can't like broke glass lying around your house. That, that you can't do. Anyways, um, so those are the three main categories, and the th- three minor categories. Um, I would say the first is machas um, mias. Machas mias is because it's disgusting. So if something is gross and you don't, it's just intrinsically repugnant to people. It becomes mukta. Becomes mukta, like uh, the old yeah. dead rat, the dead rat, you know, a dirty diaper. <coughs> Those things are mukta because they're disgusting and people don't want to fiddle with them. Now there's a, there's a cooler here, worth knowing. So that that means really. Under normal circumstances, people should be leaving their trash, their filled up trash can. They shouldn't be taking out the trash on Shabbos. Under normal circumstances. Now, there is a special hatter here that if you, it's from the learn out from the Graf Shalrei, like you know, like the chamber pot. You're allowed to move the chamber pot out of the house. You know, chamber pot like the inside before flushing toilets. So because it's like, I don't know exactly where you draw the line, but it's not just, it's not just unsightly or unpleasant and not, not just, it's not just gross it's like it's very presence is like is revolting it's revolting you know it's like the, the, de- the difference is if the dead rat is in the basement like I said before the dead rat is in your kitchen you, you won't be able to eat lunch if there's a dead rat in your kitchen you understand so that, that's a different level I don't know where you have to go ask the rabbit where to draw the line okay but the point is if it's like you can't function because it's, it's really repulsive and it's disgusting, revolting, revolting is the word, like, you know, revolting, then it becomes mutter to move, again, preferably, you know, use, use, the, use the broom, don't pick it up with your hand, which you probably wouldn't want to anyways, but then you, if the trash is, let's say, smelling up the house or something, you could then move it out, okay, but if it just, you just don't like the idea of having a full trash can in your, you know, sitting there under the sink, that's just too bad, okay, that's... Once you picked it up, then that's okay. In general, mukta. Once you're moving it, once you've got it in your hand, then you can just put it down where you where we need to put it, which is <coughs> which is true for lots of things. Like uh, that's a good rule to know, though. By the way, you know, oftentimes you find yourself like, oh no, I just picked up this pen. Then your first reaction is like to drop on the floor, which makes me, you know, that's the stupid thing you can do. Just, now that you've got it in your hand, put it where put it where it belongs. Um, put it down in, a, in an intelligent place. Um, so that's mukta machas If it's gross and repugnant, you can't fiddle with it. But it, but there's a line over which, you know, if it's if it's revolting to you, I don't know where that line exactly is drawn. Then you're allowed to move it again. So There's a special header. It's just really full, and you have to put more in it. You just start like you're not supposed to really take it out. Start another one on the floor. Start back yeah, inside. yeah. I guess you can ask. The, the, uh, everyone's different. I can certainly understand people. It being like a, of this, of the of the of the of the you know the whatever it was the isness variety like myself, like at some point even a garbage can becomes a dead rat. I don't know like when that is. I don't know who that's for. Like, but I'm but I'm saying yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying. But it's you, you can ask a child if, if you depends how you feel about garbage cans and overflowing garbage house. At some point, if you're not used to it, it's like dead rats. If you are used to dead rats, or just another dead rat lying around, you know. You should keep it outside your apartment and put the garbage. 
Well, the, the problem with that is that you're going to get the cats coming to your house or whatever it is. I mean, that's not, that's not practical. People have the garbage there. This is what this happens every shot. People have the garbage in the kitchen. The garbage gets full in front of you have a big crowd. You want to get out the house. So, so really, really, you shouldn't. Really, you shouldn't. You should leave it. You can put it like, but it, again, like that, you can uh, wear. This is, I think, the prime sure it's a quite common question. Oh, that's for sure. Well, the question is, but that's true also. The question is, at the end of the night, you're, you're going into bed and you see you've left, like, the garbage can in the kitchen and you want to get out the house. Because, like, it's just a gross full garbage can. I don't let the garbage can fall over in my house. I take it out at night before I go to sleep, before I lock my doors. That you can't do in Shabbos. It's mukta. It's already mukta, per se, sitting there. But once... Uh, yeah, okay, so I'll leave it to you to, to draw the line, whatever it is. Okay, I mean, whatever, I'll leave it to you. When it's full, it's not full, it's not mukta, so I when it's not full, it's not mukta. Well, I don't, I don't like. I should also speak out. Like you know, if all this in your garbage can is a bunch of you know uh, folded up plastic tablecloths, it's not mukta anyway. So it's not even gross. It's when it's when you don't want to touch it anymore that it's become mukta. Then it, okay, so that. Yeah, 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 sober and they threw some dirty diapers in Then it's definitely mukta, and then it probably is not, now it's probably de- it's a dead rat to you. You want to out the house, right. I would think. Yeah. So you have to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Table cloth. You put that in the separate bed. I don't even see a mias, is it? Is that mias? You, you know, you fold up the tablecloth, the disposal tablecloth, and roll up you know, a bit of whatever's left on the table. And like, I, don't, I don't even know, is that even mias? Is that even disgusting? I don't think it's even disgusting yet. It's just in a pla- and it's inside another plastic bag. It's like, what's the deal? It's funny. It's, I guess it's like it's step one is not even gross, so you can move it. Step two is it's a little bit gross, so you can't move it. Step three is it's really gross, so you can move it again. I, I had to draw the line. Uh, you have to ask. <laughs> you have to ask for, ask for that one. Okay, that's that. Um, so, mukta machas mias. Dirty diapers. Dirty diapers are, are, are gross, but pro- again, so if it's in the kids' changing room, you have to leave it till after Shabbos, I think. I don't actually know, I'm not even sure. Maybe it's a graph ray. If it's bothering you, you can ask the Shalom. If it's not bothering you, you can't move it, that's for sure. As you're bothering you, that's for sure. Okay? Then the next, the three minor categories I was saying, Mukta Machas Mias, then Mukta Machas Mitzvah, that means something set aside for mitzvah use and not other things. This is a classic Shalom is by Sukkot. If you don't, before Sukkot, say that your decorations are, are, uh, you're going to move them on, you know, you're just having them for Yom Tov and then you have a whole way to move them, they become Mukta because they were set aside to be Sukkot decorations or Schach. Or the shofar and so on. Could be that shofar becomes other problems too, of like maybe chesaron kiss and so on. But the point is, if it's set aside dark for mitzvah usage and nothing else, if it's not using the mitzvah, it's set aside. It's not now it's mitzvah. It's not muhan, You weren't planning on moving on Shabbos. In the last case, and this is the case where our Masechta picks up on, is the category called nolad. Nolad means nolad means born, but uh, it gets conceptually there's two kinds of nolads. There's like the there's like the Pure nolad, nolad gummer, let's call it, to- real nolad, which is before Shabbos, this thing wasn't here, and now it is. So that's obviously by def- that's obviously it can't be muhan because it wasn't around to be muhan. So a classic example of that is the is the egg that's born on Shabbos, the laid on Sh- on Shabbos. That's our definition here. But you know other, other things too, like uh, I don't know, milk that's squeezed out of the cow. Nolad, it wasn't here yesterday; it's here, it's here today. Okay, the other kind of like. 
nolad, which is like called, like let's call it, I don't know, secondary nolad, ke'ei no, nolad, like resemblance to nolad, means something that's changed in its function so significantly that now it's it's mukta. We that would be, for example, broken furniture. You had a beautiful table going into Shabbos, but then your three-year-old decided to jump up and down, and now it's just a pile of rubble. Now it's just firewood. So good, it's functional as firewood, but man, it's no good. It used to be a table, and now it's firewood. It's mukta even on Yom Even though on Yom you can use firewood. Firewood isn't mukta on Yom But this isn't, this isn't firewood from before Yom This is table turned into firewood. It's like a new thing's been born. It turned trans, transmuted from being a table to being a firewood. Now it's a kazasar. We actually had this... Um, in the second paragraph of Shabbos, very briefly, if you remember, about the, I won't go back into it, but the issue of um, the piece of fabric, three by three, if you rolled it and singed the edges, that business. The, the, the issue there was, if you're just recalling, was that once you, if you start to burn it, and now it, it'll lose its, it'll become less than three by three, it loses that as being a clee to continue to light it on, on Shabbos, Piyasar. That, that was the, just, we've seen that idea before. Um, that's basically it. There, there is one other topic which we explored a few times in the past very briefly I'll just mention it very briefly now called the buses the buses which is the how far I translated it I was trying to say the base base buses is a base if some, which keeping it very simple means if something was a support an intentional support for muktzah then not it was you had a tray and on the tray you put your Shabbos candles okay so then on the top of the Shabbos candles was a lit flame as you can imagine so then the lit flame is Asar because that's Moksa then the candlesticks themselves were the buses they were things that were holding up the flame they also become Asar and even the tray underneath it which was holding up the tray holding up the candlesticks becomes Asar and if you put on your table on, on your Shabbos the table becomes a bus so if you remember I told you the story about my sukkah leaving the, ta- the table with the lights and the sukkah and I couldn't move the table out of the sukkah on, on sukkahs asleep so that's buses means it was, it was intentionally there this this prat is a little complicated. The truth is of, of mukta, because it, when it's called intentional, if I just happened to leave it there in accident, but it was Friday, I would could have known it would be there on Shabbos. Like that's a bit of a gray area. I don't get into this second. But the point is, under normal circumstances, if something was used as a platform to support mukta, it becomes mukta unless it's supporting more than one thing. And the, and the primary thing it's supporting, the most the ikra thing that's for ikra, the main important thing, most important thing that it's supporting is not mukta. Therefore, for example, um, what people challah. do and people should do is put a, put a challah. So if you put a challah on the tray or a challah on the table, <coughs> that's for your that you need for you know for your for your, for your suda in the sukkah. So then, the fact that it's also ta- uh, candles, no problem because the, the table itself is not mukta because it's supporting my challah which I need and the candlesticks. Even though my challah is worth you know five shekels and my candlesticks are worth you know five thousand shekels, it doesn't matter because. For yomtif, the ikr is my. I need my food, and therefore you can move. You can move the entire table. That'll be right till till minutes on the whole table. Move it outside the sukkah. Set your neighbors to the candlesticks, but there that that would be mother. So it's a bus. It's a bus. Is something that was supporting supporting um, iser. It itself becomes aser, and that importantly is that something that happens. It's koveya as you go into Shabbos. Like I mentioned about this conceptual idea, but so to speak about. Uh, like the spirit of the law. In other words, for example, if you have a tray and your kids go and put money on the tray on Shabbos, the tray is not mukta. You have to do, if you want the tray, you'll have to, you know, do nayer, you'll have to tilt them on the side to shake off the money. But the point is, that the fact that the tray is now, is now support for money doesn't make anything, because going to Shabbos, it wasn't. And the converse is also true. 
if you had a tray, which is your money tray, you keep your money in the bowl there, and you know, and your kids went, took the money away, and I just have a bowl, I think it's a perfect candidate, you can't touch the bowl. So just the plain bowl, because the bowl is actually an iser, of a, it's a bus, it's from Muktza, it just happens there's no Muktza there now, but since going into Shabbos, it was a bus, it retains its status. So you can't change anything status, on Muktza or not Muktza, on, uh, on, on Shabbos, or Yom Tov for that matter. The last situation is that the kids emptied it on Shabbos, but because you usually use it... No, not because you... Not, not usually, but because this Friday evening... But if you didn't have it before Shabbos, and in there... Mozart, Mozart. Right. Right. If you have a bowl that you usually... A dish, and you usually put your money in the... You lose change in the dish. But this Friday, you didn't. It's just sitting there on the table. It's a dish. Going into Shabbos, it's a clear you can use it, not a problem. And I guess unless it's a miyuchet, it says money dish, and like you would never put food in it because it's gross. It's you know, just for money, and then... Then, then, then it would be also like probably not not. Cautiously, like I, I use it for money, you know, fifty weeks in a row. Let's say, you know what? I really need this dish, this great dish for what we're doing the Shabbos. If I don't think so, I, I would I would think maybe this is a question well, for I, a post, like, but, I, but I would think if if it was if it was empty before Shabbos, <laughs> I would think it should be mutter on Shabbos. Well, see, it's the, see, at some point it becomes like mayu. <coughs> I, I, what I'm thinking, dish. I'm thinking it's just a dish you decided to a bowl, a regular bowl, like you know, that could be equally used for hard candies. Have to think no, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. It's well, okay, because so it is. So it is. It is a, a bit of a maybe. It's a gray. Maybe it's a gray line. And as much as a rock, for sure, is mukta unless you design it otherwise. So I would argue that a bowl is a bowl. In fact, that you usually use this particular bowl for money, but so what? It's not called a money bowl. It's just a bowl you use for money. So if there's money in it, it's mutter. But if you didn't have money in it, so now you think, aha, perfect! I have that bowl as the money. It should be mutter. That's what I would think. At some point, I don't know where that line is. The great line is: this turns into a money bowl, and it's right like the pushka. So I think, I think the, an empty. You have empty out the pushka. I think the pushka is still mutter. I would think because it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's miyuchet for calling money per, like a piggy bank per se. As opposed to regular don't bowl. Anyways, that's that's the issue of buses. So that's a buses. Anyway, so that's 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 whole that's all mukta in, in a nutshell. It's not that complicated, right? It's, it is. It is. What, what you have to actually apply. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. But you see, you see, like you know these huge books, like you know Hilchos Mukta, and it's like you know one of these like you know six hundred pages. It's not. It's not. So right. That's right. That's right. <laughs>